Transition is not a one-time event when moving from the military to civilian life. It is a series of changes we experience in life, both in and out of the military. Today on the Financial Operating Base, we speak with Bryce Mahoney, U.S. Army veteran and operations team member of Gallon Few, discussing many transitions veterans go through, as well as his own transition to becoming an entrepreneur. Welcome to the Financial Operating Base, a podcast and community to help you, the veteran entrepreneur, to navigate the terrain and accomplish your mission of business success. And today we're excited to have Bryce Mahoney with us. He's a U.S. Army veteran and a member of the operations team at Gallant Few. Bryce, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. No, we're excited to have you here. Um, let's get right into it. Um, why don't you walk us through your military career uh, and then your eventual transition to being a civilian? All right, thank you. Um, so I joined the military in February of 2001. Um, I, I moved out of my house uh, right after graduation from high school, lived on my own for about 10 months, realized that that wasn't working. And when I moved back home, my parents charged me rent. And so I wasn't having that. So six days later from making the decision, I was in Fort Benning and uh, I served as an infantryman until uh, April of 2007. I served with 3rd Ranger Battalion, uh, Echo 51st Long Range Surveillance in Germany and the United Nations Command Joint Security Area uh, up at Camp Boniface, Korea. I had a great, great time in the military, uh, but, but to be quite honest, I joined the military with the mindset that I was not going to stay in. There was no plan of what I was going to do afterwards. I was just very adamant that the military wasn't going to control me and that I wasn't going to stay in the military. So my transition happened fairly abruptly. We got back from my last deployment in November of 2006, and I was out in April of the next year. Um, I, my, my wife at the time was still in, so I kind of converted to a spouse. So I st we stayed in Germany. Um, I got really good at golfing at that particular time. Um, but over the course of the following decade, I went from coming back home to trying to restart the family business. Uh, we've been in construction my whole life. So I tried to build some houses, the marketing mark, uh, the market bubble kind of, uh, stopped that in 2008. Um, then I was a stay-at-home dad for a little while while my wife worked and, and did certain things. Uh, and then I bounced around like a typical veteran does to job after job. And um, sometime in the summer of 2016, uh, Carl Monger saw some potential in me. And uh, that's when I started working for, for Gallant View as an organization as the director of the Darby Project. Um, and then over those courses of years, we've done some, some pretty amazing things. Uh, not only with the regiment, but with the military and uh, a lot of other organizations. So hopefully that's a good wrap up. That's excellent. Um, tell us about both organizations. Tell us about the Darby Project for folks that are listening that may not be familiar with it um, and Gallant Few and uh, what both organizations do and how you participated with each. Absolutely. Um, so Gallant Few is a veteran nonprofit that's mission is to facilitate successful transitions for uh, military service members to civilian life that with, uh, filled with hope and purpose. We do that by connecting people in their communities with each other. Uh, we like to pair uh, same branches if possible, same interests, same, same um, you know, values. 
Um, when, when we do connect to those people, we like to educate them on ways that they can better connect with services, better communicate with the VA, uh, find out other resources, and uh, really just kind of be the center point uh, to empower people to take charge of their own transition, whether it be from the military uh, or through life, loss of a job, uh, a divorce, uh, a death in the family. Um, we, we operate better as communities. Uh, when we isolate and self-medicate, that's when we self-destruct. And uh, Gallant Fuse focuses on, on creating those communities so people have a place to go home to when they transition, transition from the military, whether that's four years or 24 years later. Um, the Darby Project is a, a ranger-focused wing of the, Gall of the Gallant Few, which is primarily focused on active duty rangers that serve within the 75th Ranger Regiment and at uh, the Airborne Ranger Trading Brigade. And the focus there is to provide better professional development, coaching, counseling, connection. Uh, we don't like to use the term transition because when we hear transition, guys think, oh, I'm not two months, two years out from leaving the military, so what do I need to know about this information? So we try to spin a professional development aspect on it. Um, we've been instrumental in helping create the Ranger for Life process over the past few years. A lot of uh, different people involved in that process, but I think it's a, it's a great start uh, to, to create a specific program for Rangers to get uh, good professional advice through their careers while serving in the military to better prepare themselves for life after the military. So um, those, those programs and other programs of Gallant Few um, all focus on the mission of facilitating successful transitions. We use the term transition um, through from, from military to civilian life, from one job to the next, like I said before, um, and they all have their distinct missions. That's excellent. Um, I'm familiar with both organizations. I think they're great. I, I support them um, in every capacity that I can. Um, I think we've learned a lot about veterans and transitioning over the last two decades. Um, that uh, we've been at this post 9-11. Um, talk a little bit how you think transitions changed between the time you and your peer group got out um, in that, you know, 06, 07, 08 timeframe versus what you guys have brought to the table and how you've changed the transition process to help folks. You know, Joe, to be honest with you, one of the biggest things that's changed is the amount of nonprofits that are out there saying that they're out there to help veterans and service members. That's the biggest things that's changed. Outside of that, from my experience of dealing with how the Army tra handles transition, un up until recently, they, things hadn't changed. The, the focus was on, you know, on expecting leaders that sometimes were 23 and 24 years old to help make a 19 or 22 year old's decision about what he should do next. And most of the time it was, you know, oh, you, wanna re you don't wanna reenlist? Well then screw you and turn my back. So there, was, there is still alive and well that type of pressure for somebody in the military. And what that causes is it causes somebody to keep their mouth shut as long as they possibly can about transitioning out of the military. And that is the one beautiful thing we have about being in the military is we actually have time to do what's next if we give ourselves the window to do it. And it's, it's painful to see somebody ha have a distinct start to their vision of what they want to do next, but not feel that they are sa safe enough to share it with somebody else in fear that they are going to be chastised for giving up or something like that. And 
if we can help to bridge that gap and, and to create better retention, because that's what I really have found that this is. This is a retention program. We want to tell guys, hey, look, your plan is stupid and you should stay right here until you get a better one. I wish to God somebody had said that to Sergeant Mahoney in 2006 when I still had time to really reconsider the fact that I had zero plan getting out of the military. And I, I think it's something to at least be able to check the box to say, hey, we had that conversation with that guy at the beginning and again at the middle of their career and at the, again at the, the end of it. So at the end of the day, when somebody doesn't listen and ultimately the same thing, the same pattern emerges, we can say with clarity, we tried and this is what happened. We can't, we're not going to fix everyone. And having, having these programs and, uh, you know, like what the Darby Project, what Gallant View has, what Three Rangers Foundation has, um, we're tightening that up. We're getting better at that. We're, we're helping the military get better at creating that, uh, that safeness, if you will, to be able to say, hey, I'm not getting out. Or to have that conversation at the beginning of the career. Look, I'm doing this as a stepping stone. You know, career, having a military career isn't a big thing anymore. It used to be a lot bigger than it is now. But people don't stay in the military anymore. They use it as a stepping stone. So why not identify that from the beginning and have, have all the power and help that you need to move forward, uh, you know, financially, professionally, emotionally, you know, it's an expectation management. Hey, look, I've got you for four years and this is the, this is the pri primary goal, but here's when you have time, here's what you can do secondarily. And, um, you know, I, I, I see, I do see some changes now. They've definitely, you know, through watching Tony, uh, in his retirement process, I definitely see the connection and the commitment that they have, they have started. They've started to understand. Um, but we still have a long way to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tony, Tony Main, uh, who uh, runs the Darby Project. Now, tell, tell folks a little bit about um, your interaction with Tony and um, what Tony's doing now at the Darby Project. Yeah. Um, so I actually served with Tony at 375 back in uh, 2001. I knew him as Corporal Maine. Um, he now Major Maine is retiring very soon, and he is uh, participating in the Warrior Care Program Fellowship as the volunteer director of the Darby Project. He is my he was my predecessor as the Darby Project director, and quite honestly, ever since the day that I became the director and ran it and got to reconnect with him back in 2016. I already had it in the back of the mind that he was going to be the director anyways. So it was kind of destiny in itself. Um, but he is, um, he is about going to retire this year. He's moving back to Columbus and man, he has some amazing plans for that community. They're opening the Ranger outreach center in downtown Columbus on St. Luke, uh, St. Luke's property. They, they have offered a building to the Darby project and to some other organizations. Um, he's been instrumental in getting the uh, Congressional Gold Medal for the Merrill's Marauders uh, with Joni Clausen. Uh, I mean, the guy is just a machine. He, he, you know, he just, he's so layered and he's so dialed in. You know, I think it's really just from all that officer time that he's been doing. Um, and it's just really great to have him on, the, on our team and to kind of have that fire um, and, and the, and just kind of the freshness, you know, he's, he is very, um, very recently removed from the regiment. Uh, he, you know, he spent his last time down in Florida, but to have somebody that just recently served there at the regiment level, 
you know, it, it is a huge deal. And, um, you know, he's, he's just doing an amazing job. And um, it's just great to, to kind of see that uh, within the organization and within our, you know, the Ranger community itself. No, I, I concur. I was down in Columbus the first week of February uh, when they kicked off Run Ranger Run for this year and uh, got to see the Outreach Center and, and Tony's plans for what to do. And I think that's going to be a, a great addition to the community there and um, Darby and Gallon Field is Gallon Few as a whole. Um, you, but, but, but you mentioned earlier, you said that there's a lot more nonprofits that want to help veterans. Yes. So a couple of things. There's obviously going to be uh, folks that are more successful at running a nonprofit and people that are going to be less successful at running a nonprofit because it's a business. It's Correct. just a business with a different mission. Correct. So um, for someone that may be listening to the podcast here and, and they say, geez, you know, I, I really want to start a veteran nonprofit. I, I want to help veterans. What are things that they really strategically need to think about um, to make a decision whether or not it makes sense to do that? Uh, I mean, it, it, candidly to say to you, if you want to start a ven veteran nonprofit right now, you need to ask yourself the question, am I starting it for myself or am I starting it to help veterans? Because I can tell you that there is not a single thing that veterans are dealing with right now that, oh, that thousands of other organizations are, are not doing. You know, there is not a diamond in the rough thing that we're not doing outside, you know, giving free heroin, you know, or things away like that. But I mean, there are literally nonprofit organizations giving free weed to vets in California. I mean, like there, the, the spectrum goes everywhere. So it comes down to really, do you want to be the person on the stage holding the plaque saying thank you? Or do you just want to get in the trenches and, and make shit happen? You know, because that's the, those are the two distinct differences. And, and, and unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, there are both sides of that, that group. And, and sometimes we find ourselves in both sides of that group. Um, and, and I see the same, you know, you would, you would see the same thing in, in corporate um, as well. But the, the, uh, the people that, that are in, you know, that just want to help, they, they will find an organization to get involved with and they, they will help try to make change within it. They don't want to be, they don't want to deal with the board. They don't want to deal with the, you know, the paperwork of getting the 501c3 stuff going on. I mean, it's a lot of work to start a nonprofit. I mean, it's not just, it's not, I mean, I registered a business recently. It's way easier to register a business than it is a nonprofit. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and so if you want to go through that and you want to go through the scrutiny that, that nonprofits go through, just in it to, to help veterans, I can guarantee you that there is an organization that is probably doing what you want to want to do for them um, uh, somewhere close to you. Excellent. No, that's I I, I concur. Um, I don't run any veteran nonprofits, but I volunteer for several, and yeah. I found that that's a, a great way to give back. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I thought was interesting about transition being something that's not just when you get out of the military. So if, if, if there's a veteran and he's maybe two years out, five years out, 10 years out, but is, you know, he may need assistance in different areas. It could be housing, it could be employment, it could be education, it could be healthcare. Um, what would you say to that veteran that maybe wants to re-engage with other veterans groups, but feels, oh, you know, I got out so long ago, it's not really transition anymore. Sure. How should how should they approach getting help? Um, are, so, are you saying somebody wanting to get involved, or are you saying no? No, I'm saying a, a veteran that may need help, 
but oh, thinks okay. but thinks but thinks that these groups aren't for them anymore because they've already transitioned. Sure. They've been a yeah. you know out of the military for five or more yeah, years. Yeah, you're right. No, and and that's see that's the the unfortunate part about wording and branding. We hear the term transition and we think it's oh it's just about when I'm getting out of the military. But I mean we transition all the time. We transition. We've currently gone through one of the largest transitions in human history from being able to go outside on a regular basis to being locked up for months at a time. I mean, that's a transition. That is an emotional, physical, spiritual transition. And they all come with baggage, with ways to handle them. And we have found, and just like Viktor Frankl has said in his books and, and his teachings and everything, and tons of other people have said it, when you, are, when you have exercised and understand how to, how, what you are emotionally feeling and how it correlates to what you're doing, you have a better way and an opportunity and a better chance to reevaluate re that emotional state if you want to. And that's what we see is what co controls a lot of behavior. And if we can help educate and communicate with somebody about their behavior, then it makes a big difference. Um, so, so transitioning can happen, like I said, through jobs, through divorce, through kids, you know, empty nesters. That's a transition. They're using the term transition. Uh, I, I wish expanded into more things. That's why I talk a lot about professional development in, when in reference to in the people in the military, because I don't want them to think of the term transition. But let's say you're a veteran, you're a Vietnam veteran right now. And you know what, you've just been coping with things. I mean, heck, we, this, uh, this was a big story, a big connection of ours. I think it was last year. It was a, it was a Vietnam veteran who had, had broken his leg back in the eighties and like never gotten any help for it and just dealt with this thing because he never felt good enough. And um, excuse me, I'm getting this messed up. It was a guy who jumped into Grenada. He broke his leg and, and then was whisked right off and, and came back to the States and then like medically processed out or whatever. And so like, he feels like a complete dirt bag, never gets it looked at, deals with this limp for, for that entire amount of time up until like last year, you know, then finally reaches out, you know, and we're like, what took you so long? I don't feel, you know, transition or I didn't feel like I deserved it. Like, oh my gosh, you know, we want to, we want to avoid that. So, you know, I mean, ultimately to them, I say, ask that's the, you know, we, we don't know what we don't know. And I'll say that for any organization, we don't know what we don't know. We can't fix. And that's the, that's the really hard part about, you know, the whole veteran suicide thing is that that's such a fast moving airplane and fast moving target that by the time you do recognize and realize it, it's all, most of the time it's too late. A lot of other things we can, they, we can see those coming and, and just, just reach out, you know, and let the, let the organizations like us, let it fall on our shoulders to respond and make sure that you're connected with, you know, Carl has a term, um, General Votel gave him a, a, um, a article a really long time ago called keeping putting the monkey on their back and he sent the article to me you know once they connect with us it's it's our objective to kind of hear hear how they're doing get that tactical empathy man hey that really sucks where you are but how can we help you achieve what you want to do you know how can we help you get out of this and it's putting the monkey on their back it's them giving us the expectations you know and then have it, holding them accountable to it because um as we know, we can't, we can't make people do things. We can't make people quit drinking. We can't make people, um, f you know, save their money any differently. They have to want those things personally. And they have to invite other people into the process to say, hey, help me with this. And that's, 
to us the most important part of creating these connections, creating these communities around the country. Because yeah, Facebook and social media is okay for, for, for connecting, but really trust, building trust with somebody, it takes time, it takes proximity, and that's when you can truly open up with someone and say, hey, I'm struggling, and I don't know what I'm struggling on. And most people have no idea what they're struggling on. They just know that something's wrong, and, and they can't put their mind to it. And that's the dangerous part. And we, have, we, we can do a better job of educating each other um, to, to see those signs and to, to, feel, to feel better connected and better empowered to, to talk to each other that way. So that being a very long answer to that older veteran to say, yeah. well, reach out. I, I, and I love that you keep coming back and using the word community um, because that's what it is. I think it's, it's about getting people into communities um, both knowing they're welcome, but then also getting them vested in the outcomes themselves. Right. Uh, and and I, I, you mentioned social media, which isn't, you know, maybe we feel that's not really a community. It is one way that you and I stay in touch. And every time I see you on social media, you're, you're climbing some rocks and, and, yes. and <laughs> always have a smile on your face. And, but I also always see you with other people. So tell us, tell us a little bit what you do there in the community up in North Carolina you know, uh -huh. in, your, in your micro community. And, right. um, and what I'm really excited about is, is your next entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, okay. lead, lead us into that and how all that ties together because I think it's a great Will story. Do. Yeah, um, so I would say the anchor point behind my community here in, in the Raleigh area especially is, is F3. It's a men's group, stands for Fitness Fellowship Faith. It was started by a former SF guy down in Charlotte. Uh, and its mission is to invigorate male leadership in the community. Its uh, premise is that it's uh, free for all men, all of all ages. It's uh, outdoors. It's rain or shine, hot or cold. It's volunteer led, and it always ends with a circle of trust at the end. So we get we gather up. You get nicknames. Um, you you that's how you remember everybody. There's it's in the south. It ends up with a it ends with a prayer. Uh, I've, I've done other things in other parts of the country where these groups have started to formulate, started in Charlotte, and now it's blown up all over the country. Over, I believe now over 5,000 guys across America participate three. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see. It, it really, it saved my life. Um, I got introduced to F3 back in 2013 when I was uh, displaced. And, um, and my friend emotionally headlocked it, as we called. He told me, hey, man, you should come to this thing. And for months, I was like, no, I'm not going to that thing. It's PT. It's in the morning. I, left, that's, I don't do that anymore. So finally, I said, yeah, I'm coming. And I went to a workout. I fell in love with it. And I got my nickname. This is in 2013, mind you, um, uh, because one of the, that, that SF guy was there. And I, happened, I think I was wearing my regiment, my 3rd Battalion sweatshirt or whatever. But my F3 name is Darby. And, um, you know, just coincidentally that I would start to run the organization, the Darby Project, three years later is amazing. Um, but that really, that showed me the community that I was missing. And quite frankly, um, there are very few veterans in my F3 community. And I'm, I'm okay with that because it is serving the purpose that I need right now of committed, intentional connection with other strong, like-minded men that are helping me through COVID, we have been meeting Monday, Wednesday, Friday in our outdoor groups and working out together. We're maintaining our social distance when we can, um, but that's how important these people are to me. Um, and it's, it's one of the only routines that I really kept going 
uh, at the time. And it sparked a lot of interest in the community. We've done a lot of volunteer efforts through F3. It's um, helped me bridge the gap between some of the trash cleanup efforts that I've been doing over the years in the city. Trash is a huge thing to me um, just because of the effect that it has, that it will have and is having on our water supply. Um, so it's just been great to kind of piece all that together. And um, it, it's been that and the climbing community have been really the two that have uh, blossomed into something awesome. And I, I, it's funny, I met, uh, I met a third ranger battalion veteran on, while climbing, while volunteering as a belay guy for a, a, a children's competition at my gym last year. And I had a Darby Project sticker on my mug and he was like, Darby Project, you're a ranger? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, when were you there? And we were like, Charlie Company, 375. We were removed like two years from each other. And now, I mean, he's honestly, he's become my best friend, you know, and we, he's my most trusted climbing partner. And, um, you know, from that, it, I, I ran into some other veterans out on, out at Pilot Mountain and we've been climbing together uh, for about a year. I've had a solid crew of about eight guys and gals that come out uh, that climb. My wife climbs, girl, their girlfriends, their wives climb. Um, and, and it's just really awesome because they coincidentally have kids the same age as mine too. So it's just this like perfect balance, you know, because as a parent, you know, that's the thing like, okay, are the kids cool? Is the wife cool? Is the husband cool? I mean, is that like the, you know, that's the white unicorn in a family. Like, do we get along with everybody? And oh man, do, and they do the same activities as we do too? This is amazing. So we've been climbing together for, for those years. And what started as a, man, we should get an apartment up here in Pilot Mountain. Because I've been climbing at Pilot Mountain for eight years now. That's where I started. I love climbing there. It's the closest place to climb. So I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. Like we should get an apartment up here just to have somewhere to like put our stuff and maybe we do an Airbnb. And then I started to think, man, there is no, there is no accommodation up here like a hostel. And this is a bustling, this is a blooming, budding outdoor area. Climbing has increased significantly over the last two years because of Alex, Alex Honnold. Thank you, Free Solo. Um, and Pilot Mountain had over 700,000 visitors last year. And I mean, if, if you know Pilot Mountain, it is like a square mile of, of space. And it's one, there's like literally one point for people to go that aren't climbing. And it's the viewpoint up top. So it gets tons of traffic. And that just sparked into, wow, I should look into possibly doing a hostel up here. So I started looking around for property and um, I'd been staying at this kind of rundown campground. We'll just call it a rundown campsite. Um, Joe Miyoki campground for uh, off and on for a number of years. And, um, you know, I just, I fell in love with it. And it's got the, it's got this great view of Pilot Mountain. I mean, it's literally like right underneath of it. And just, you know, it's like when things line up, correctly I got to meet the owner uh through some friends through my climbing crew that you know connected me with him and we got to have this great conversation you know about life which then turned into him saying oh man I really got to do something about this this campground you know it's we got to make or break something and I'm like well by the way since you're saying that you know and brief him and and show him the the plans that we had kind of drafted up um and that that was really the first part of it you know getting that handshake like that was a huge moment for me, for him to say like, yeah, let's move forward with this. And, um, you know, this is, this is honestly outside of my family business. My first like true large scale entrepreneurial effort, uh, to establish. So 
I'm, I, I'm going to be creating for everybody that's listening. We're opening a place called the Base Camp NC. It's going to, first, the first phase is going to be a six room hostel. Uh, each room will have two bunk beds in the high season and one queen bed in the low season. And it'll have a large open space for gathering, fireplace, community table, a shared kitchen for people to cook in. It'll have a small cafe, a small gear store, and it, it'll be part of the Jomioki Park um, in the campground. And it's, it's going to be a part of a much larger project to make Jomioki Park into kind of an adventure outdoor destination within Pilot Mountain and Hanging Rock. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really excited because I'm excited to get to a smaller community and start to really be able to dive in because that's, that's what I, my, my eye truly is on. Like I'm excited to do this business and, and this, this effort and this business, but I'm more excited to be able to get involved with the community. And I haven't really felt like I can do that in Raleigh. Um, and that's, I'm really excited about it. I, I tell you the, the the way your voice changed when we started talking about this. I mean, I can feel the passion that you have for this, and um, you know, I, I've known you for a little while. Um, you're a very passionate guy. I see the passion that you bring to working with the veterans. We talked today about the passion you brought to your men's group, um, yeah. and then that you're bringing to this uh, to to your entrepreneur endeavor. Um, one thing that that you mentioned that that really made me think that this is a veteran centric podcast. We get veterans, we get mill spouses, we get people that are interested in helping the veteran community. But uh -huh. the, the point you brought up about F3 is, you know, maybe veterans aren't supposed to be veteran or excuse me, maybe veterans aren't supposed to just be leaders in the veteran community. And that's what it's real. Veterans should be leaders in the economy. Veterans should be leaders in the social fabric of America, veterans should be leaders in the government, veterans should be leaders, you know, in our schools and our churches and everywhere else. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like to, to, to maybe like expand that and you say, yeah, I'm a veteran, maybe that is or isn't all or a part of what I am, but then how you bring that to the bigger community, how you bring that to, uh, you know, yeah, not, not, not yeah. meant to be disparaging a group of civilians and, and share with them what Bryce is about, but then have an impact on what's going on. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, and, and I'm glad you said that because I will, I, I have to give credit to Raleigh Cash because he really changed my mind. Um, you know, I, I used to say becoming a ranger made me who I am, you know. And he, we were at one of the Ranger for Life events a couple of years ago, and I think I had said that to somebody, and he was like, hey, man, that, that's wrong. That's wrong. And I was like, what? And he's like, you, you were who you were before you got there, okay? It, the Ranger Regiment just smoked it out of you, you know? Like, it just brought it to the surface. Like, who you were was there. And, you know, that, that, that brings me to the, you know, famous – Colonel Darby had a famous – uh, speech that he gave, you know, paraphrasing that, you know, when you, when you go home to your endeavors, um, you'll think about war, you'll think about your brothers, you'll think about what you've done. Um, and, and you'll go back to your civilian endeavors, to your jobs, you know, and you'll do good things, but in your hearts and in your minds, you will be a ranger always. And, you know, we always say rangers lead the way, you know, and I, and I love that, that, that moniker. I love that phrase. I love to hear it. I love hearing it being chanted. Um, 
but I, I tend to gravitate towards the a ranger always. I am an a ranger always. And you know what? Sometimes that means that maybe I'm not the one that's leading. Maybe I'm leading by example because somebody has better has better knowledge or more experience than I do. And rather than try to try to always lead the way, maybe this is my way that I lead. And um, you know, joining joining the group, joining F three, and and honestly, I, I was working out where, where I live and where F three was when I was kind of in this area. It was like a forty five minute drive to go somewhere. You know, because I'll tell you, what F3 is primarily white collar white dudes. You know, it's just the way it is. Um, and they live in Apex. They live in Raleigh proper. They live in Cary, which, I mean, if you live here, you know, that's like an hour drive sometimes. And it's literally across the street. So a couple of years ago, I was like, I got to start planting the flag over here. I got to get within five to 10 minutes of my house because this is where these people live. And so I planted the flag at this, um, this uh, elementary school and I had two or three guys show up. And, you know, one of them, honestly, the first time he came, it was just me and him. And at the end, you know, I was just kind of like, you got anything to share, man? And he's like, actually, and he just like, let me have it. You know, I was like, I'm glad. And at the end, I was like, you feel better? And he's like, I feel so much better. You know, and, and like he, he, was, he was one of my best friends. And he moved to Houston recently. Um, and he's, he's getting into F3 down there. But, um, you know, it's just been an amazing community. And it's been an amazing opportunity for me to use the leadership that the military taught me, that I learned in regiment, that I learned from all of my leadership, both what to do and not to do. Because as with any organization, uh, F3 has its challenges, it has its problems. Um, and, you know, I use those as a measuring stick. Sometimes what to do, sometimes what not to do. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, I, I, I feel I have these values. My father, my grandfather, my mother, my grandmother, my family, they instilled these things in my life. Um, and regiment just polished it and gave me kind of something to attach it to. You know, honestly, you know, I, I, I attribute that to my walk in faith now. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you're a ranger always. And, and you, can, you can lead. And you, there are different ways that we can lead right in our communities. And there's so many people in need of that type of leadership that we can give, that candid leadership that we can give other men. And it's not gonna happen on Facebook. It's not gonna happen on Instagram. It's gonna take time and energy and pain for you to get out there and find those people. Because unfortunately, it's not like this perfect magnet where these things come together. You're gonna meet these, you're gonna have people, you're gonna have situations where you're gonna walk away and you're like, I hope I never see that person again you know, or that was a bad experience, you know, and those are the times where you just got to grit up, you know, and you just got to, got to keep going. And the reward at the end, you know, like, like this morning, my Wednesday morning workout group where we meet afterwards for breakfast, you know, we have 12 guys meeting for breakfast or workout. And then six of them meeting for breakfast, the restaurant we go to put a, a tent up for us because we eat outside because they're still closed. Um, I mean, it's just the testament that, that these people are, these people are committed, you know, and you find those committed people and you hold on to them. And then you put yourself into the part of the deal too, because it's a two-sided deal. It's always, it's not, it's always two-sided. And that's, some people forget that sometimes. No, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Having, having people that are passionate about doing things that are vested in the outcomes that care about the people they're with. I mean, it, it, it's tremendous. Um, right, Bryce, we're going to wrap it up, but, um, I think you've brought out um, several things uh, that people may want to get in touch with you about. 
Um, so, so tell us, first of all, where can people find out more about Gallant Feud, Darby, and F3? And then okay. tell us how they can also get in touch with you. Awesome. Um, I did want to mention one thing, too, just going back to the entrepreneurial thing. Um, and if somebody, so I went through Bunker Labs Veteran in Residence program as well. It got a little cut short due to COVID. But I will tell any budding entrepreneur out there, any veteran entrepreneur wanting to start something, if you have a veteran in residence program around you, apply. It is an awesome program. It is a way to accelerate your business model and your business plan and get some really outstanding help. And if you're willing, if you want to know more about it, you can get in touch with me through uh, Facebook, Bryce Mahoney. Um, uh, my profile is, you know, searchable. I'm not like a secret squirrel or anything. Um, my uh, Instagram account is Mahoney Mo Problems, and um, my email address is Bryce.Mahoney at GallantFew.org. So you can learn about all the programs and everything about Gallant Few at GallantFew.org. That'll show you where Darby Project is um, and all of the connections. And for F3, F3Nation.com, they've got a map that'll show you if there's workouts. Um, they are free. You just show up, bring gloves, um, and just be, just be willing to, to follow along with somebody. And if you live in the Raleigh area and you want to go to F3, message me and I'll go to your workout with you, your first workout with you. Bryce, that's tremendous. And, and actually, thanks for the Bunker Labs plug. I had forgotten about that. Um, yeah. we have a, we have a great Bunker Labs community here in Atlanta as oh, well. Um, and, and, and it's a great organization around the country. So yeah, certainly um, entrepreneurship and helping veterans. There's uh, You do a lot of great things and we appreciate it. Um, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. And then, uh, you know, I think you had mentioned that you, uh, you look for quotes. Yes. You, you gave me so much Darby material. Um, I, I, I assumed you might be out of quotes, but if you have another, please. So no, uh, it's, it's a personal one of mine that uh, you've probably heard me regurgitate over uh, social media, but you know, for everybody out there, you know, if you are not where you want to be, make the best of where you are because, you know, going into, you know, I, I know we didn't really have a bunch of time, but I live a pretty, uh, pretty good work life balance and it's, I'm just making the best of it. That's what I'm doing. I'm not, honestly, the core values are, I don't spend money I don't have and I, I try to do as much for the community and for things around me because quite honestly it pays it forward so my quote my thing would be if you don't if you're not where you want to be make the best of where you are thank you so much like i said you you're one of the people i've met in the last few years that i've really enjoyed getting to know so i appreciate that you made some time for us today and uh i think you're going to be a huge success and i can't <laughs> wait to see the the base camp thanks joe thanks bryce and we leave you with a quote from baseball legend Nolan Ryan. Enjoying success requires the ability to adapt. Only by being open to change will you have a true opportunity to get the most from your talent. Thanks for joining us on the Financial Operating Base podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so send us your questions or feedback to financialoperatingbase at gmail.com.